Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up, everyone? It is 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. If you're new here, one of the things we talk about a lot is the war on drugs. And today we have Kristen Floor joining us. She is a direct connection to the war on drugs. So we're going to hear about her story and how we are going to get these 40,000 people who are still in jail for cannabis crimes out. So let's get into it. Hey, Tom, Kristen, and Miggy, happy Sunday. Hey, happy Sunday. I can't believe we've done this, haven't done this sooner because I've been working with Chris <laughs> for over 10 years, I think, right? During 2011. About eight, about eight. Yeah. So she's been an activist forever then. Basically, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us <laughs> on the, because uh, like on our Sunday shows, we make sure that we do about activism. And so tell us uh, the audience a little bit about yourself and your cause. Okay, you guys, my name is um, Kristen Floor, and I am a board member of a nonprofit 501c3. It's called Freedom Grow Forever. And we load commissary money on people who are in prison for marijuana. We load their books with money so that they're taking care of why they're in prison. That's um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it all started, you know, it all started about, you know, eight plus years ago when my dad, um, when my dad died. Well, actually, yeah, my my out my activism started when he died, but it all started about ten years ago when he was raided. Um, <clears throat> he was raided in Montana, but um, he was raided by the federal government. He owned five medical marijuana dispensaries in Montana. Well, he co-owned them, and when 2011, the federal ra- the government they were like raiding so many different um, medical marijuana stores all up and down California, a few in Oregon, quite a few here in Washington, including- They even popped Tommy Chong back like in 03. I mean, and he was just selling glass. And so, yeah. Well, her dad was a victim of an operation of something. Like there was a, there was a, I mean, of course they're all like- uh, Victims. Coerced, but uh, orchestrated events, right? But uh, like she was saying, multi-state, like Tommy Chong's was definitely- Still shipping glass, but then like it's 2011, so before the Robacher Far Amendment, 
neutered the DEA's ability to go after medical cannabis providers, state licensed medical cannabis providers would get raided. In fact, 26 of them, um, including my dad's, got raided within one hour in 2011 um, across the state of Montana, all, all at the same time while the state was voting to repeal the state law, the federal government was viciously attacking all of the, not all of them, but a lot of the medical cannabis stores in Montana. Well, it's crazy too, is in, during that time, huh? What was that crazy? Guys, it's one oh, of those things where people are talking. Oh, there's a lag. That's great. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, um, let's just walk that back for a minute. Uh, what uh, what what happened in the raid in 2011? Uh, where it was was the operation licensed by the state of Montana? Yeah. So they followed all the state laws. In fact, they even went above and beyond that and sent the federal government some tax money. And even the federal government came in a it inspected it and they thought they were okay, which you can even see in a documentary that Miggy and I were just talking about called Code of the West, um, the beginning of that movie, which we won't talk about the end of it quite yet, but the beginning of that movie actually shows what was happening in the state, across the state when these raids were taking place. So what was going on? Well, they were, they, were, they were voting to repeal the state law after that day, after those raids, there was basically no more medical in Montana um, everybody who owned these medical stores were now facing federal indictments, including my father who was, who owned guns. And he, so he was facing 12 different indictments, 144 mandatory minimum set, mandatory minimum years. He was extremely and, sick. Um, and from the that point, kind of dropped out. They were just like, okay, we, we licensed you. And then after yeah. the came in, they were like, fuck these guys. And, yeah, yeah, so it was what they did is they decided they weren't going to allow any state laws in the federal court, regardless regardless of the Ogden memo. You know, they said, oh, you have to do all these things to follow the Ogden memo, which they did. And it's really easy for them to lie, manipulate, make things look, look corrupt and mm -hmm. use their federal laws or ride with their power. And once you're in federal court, it doesn't matter if it was medical. It doesn't matter what laws you followed. It doesn't matter if you follow yeah. them you can't bring them up in federal court. So you have zero defenses. So and that's what my dad was facing. My dad was facing mm. all the charges and he was really sick already. He was the first medical uh, caregiver in Montana. So um, he was also, I believe, the first medical patient in Montana. So he was very, very, very sick when he was on his way out and he ended up going to prison. Um, he was trying to go to, he was trying to take it to trial However, the federal government said that he had uh, dementia and they said he couldn't recall events in the trial. So they forced him to take a plea, which I still don't even understand that. But how could you take a plea if you can't go to trial in the first place? So he, in my opinion, should have never even went, went to prison, but he did. And four months into his federal sentence, um, he died. He died. Um, I, had to, I had to fly out to Las Vegas and take him off of life support while he was still chained to a bed. But thing about it is that the four months that he was in prison, he was literally tortured and neglected to death. He had colon cancer, which that was his cause of death, but they accused him of faking it. So for four months, he cried because he had colon cancer and it hurt his stomach. And he wanted to go to the hospital. Not only that, but he also had dementia. He had osteoporosis. So when he'd rock back and forth, he'd hit the grounds of the prison. He'd break his bones. When my dad died, he died with eight broken bones from falling on the floor in the prisons. 
he also had, um, he was on 32 medicines. And when he died, the autopsy only showed that he was on two. And those were not his heart medicines. He had two major heart attacks. That wasn't even the cause of his death mm. while they were transporting him. And I had to take him off life support while he was still chained to the bed. And then I had to tell my mother the very next morning, who was also in prison, because she worked for my dad's company, what they, how they, how, how my dad was killed that night. And then <laughs> they wouldn't even let her out for a funeral. Jesus. So, <laughs> long, this is, long this story isn't like story. ancient history. This isn't Dick Nixon and then his you know goons coming in and shutting shit down. This is 2011, and now we're probably into 2014 or how. Uh, wait, okay, so he took a plea, and then he didn't make it that long in prison. You said four years. Did you say four months or? months they wouldn't even give him and the thing is that they wouldn't even give him a walker to walk around in the nurses he would be in pain the nurses would come in and say oh you're faking it richard yeah. get off the floor get in bed he'd have broken bones and they wouldn't even give him a walker like what like the, the situation was bad okay so here's the thing the last time i spoke to my dad he had been transferred out of the private mind you a private prison because if mm. you know you can't make a lot of money for them. They're not going to really give you any medical. They're just going to let, let you lay there and die. Yeah. All the other all the other inmates in the private prison took care of my father. They made sure he was bathed. They gave him, they made sure they helped him, not the prison staff. So after my dad was transferred out of that nasty private prison in Montana, Shelby, he was transferred to um, Las Vegas. It, he was just in a holding cell there. He called me up because, you know, I, I've been tortured by my dad's conversations for four months plus because he couldn't talk to my mom anymore because they're in different prisons. And so I was the person who, Oh had shit. To that's right. They also, they arrested the whole family. So they arrested yeah. your mom as well. And she's, she took a same. Yeah, plea. A, yeah. So I had to tell my, yeah, she, she basically took a plea too. So she, I had to tell her, my mom messages from my dad. They had been married for over 36 years. Oh, tell your mom, Chris, that I'm on my way out. I got one foot out the door. How am I going to tell my mom that? So I was suffering on my own, having to deal with being in the middle of all this. But then after he passed, I was still in the middle of it. And <laughs> she's out now and she lives with me. But um, she lives with me and, you know, we, she keeps my dad's ashes by her. But I'm an advocate. Like when my dad died you know, being in the middle of all this and seeing all the plant prisoners in there and just not even just the plant prisoners, but all the victimless people being tortured in prison. It just, my heart was just left right there in the middle of the prison system. And it's, and it's clearly, it still is. It's been eight years. My dad died about three days ago, no, about, about a week ago, eight, eight years ago, a week ago. Oh, and wow. so like, so this just is 2012. That's it. Yeah. He died in 2012. He was raiding in 11, died 12. Oh, go ahead, Maggie. I was saying, Kristen, aren't you still going through it too? Though, I mean, they did the asset forfeiture and took your 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 family's inheritance, essentially, like stuff that was even weed related. Like, like you guys. So, I remember yeah, my, so, right? yeah, yeah. They took my dad's house, car, my my grandparents. They left a lot. They took a lot of things that my grandparents left: guns, things that were supposed to be handed down to me. Everything they took from my family. So we pretty much was left with basically almost nothing. And, and then this is after, legal. This is like justice. You would think so. This is right? All under the fucking auspices of justice. We, we sued yeah. them, but the thing is, is you cannot sue the private prison when the federal government sent your dad there. They're not going to side with you when they when they're the ones who 
put him there in the first place. So we, we lost that. But my um, son, he got schizophrenia a few months after my dad passed. And so we've just been dealing with that emergency ever since as well. It's just been really difficult to like, after what the government did to recover from it. It's like a domino it. effect, right? I mean, like you're, 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 you're one thing after another, and especially it's not cheap. You know, if they mm -hmm. take all your assets away and then how are you going to live? How are you going to pay for medical? I mean, I'd like to add though, your dad wasn't in hiding that documentary. We talked about code of the West. He was in his, his Grove, the partnership was in there, right? Like, yeah. Had, so, yeah. yeah. Let me finish. Yeah. I'll tell you what happened there. So after my dad died, his his partner, Chris Williams, you know, he was like, I'm going to go to trial. My dad was trying to go to trial, but Chris Williams said, oh, I'm going to go to trial. I am going to go to trial and I am going to win. He thought in his heart he was going to win. But it was really hard because they grew a lot of cannabis. In fact, they supplied most of Montana with their cannabis at the time. And they had a lot of evidence. They had 22 pounds in front of them. They had some weapons and they had, they had snitches. Code, they had their business partners, Tom Bear, Chris Lindsay. They all snitched against Chris Williams in federal court and said that he sold cannabis, even though that they did too. They even got some of the laws passed. They were they were advocates and they were lobbyists that got get some of the laws passed. So crazy. And they were right in front of me. They pointed Chris Williams out in a federal courtroom and said that he sold cannabis, and that was enough to convince. 12 jurors that he was guilty of violating a federal law because it's still a federal crime regardless of what the state laws that were on the books at the time. It's, it's crazy. So they got no jail time. They got no jail time at all. Yeah. Not even, they didn't even spend one night in jail, not even when they were raided. Kristen, are you familiar with the, the, the guy who got raided in Bozeman? Uh, he was a part of TAC Ministries. Um, which, what's his name? Maybe. God, forget. I've been trying to I'm Google familiar it. with a few of them, but... Yeah, there were so many people that got raided at that time. But the thing is, my point is, like, there was not this even justice because your dad and Chris got sentenced. And then this guy's judge, because, uh, you know, I tried to follow all the cases. And mm -hmm. his judge uh, actually denied him, uh, gave him a community service or something like that. It was more like a, 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 he was able to go home the next day. Uh, and I judge, asked him, oh, go ahead. Oh, the judge's sentence, my dad was 87 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, it's federal judges, but the guy who sentenced this other guy, and I hope to get the, the, the information later for you guys, but um, the judge told him that the laws are changing. He was afraid to put a, uh, an innocent man behind jail. And I mean, essentially, that's what happened to your dad and, and Chris. Like, Chris served time, and your dad lost, he had the biggest sentence ever, which, yeah. you know, yeah. nuts. Yeah. Well, you know, right after my dad died, um, I, I got on Stacy's bus. And started becoming an advocate and went through the human solution and went through vow and we took vow to to um and miggy you've been part of all this all of these advocacy outreach groups with for our prisoners just being their voice for them because like my dad didn't have a voice and i didn't have a voice i didn't even know the cannabis community when all this happened i was all in this all by myself until the day he died literally the day after he died and yeah. so i didn't have anybody to reach out to and so like that's what we do is we pull signs for their family members when they can't or prisoners when they can't can't be out. And when we're at cannabis, um, you guys were both there last year at our hip fest. So yeah. And this yeah. year is not going on. So no, we're having something on October twentieth. 
uh, let's let's do a shout out for Hempfest. And then, yeah, I met Kristen last year when I met Miggy at the uh, prisoner's tent where we uh, talk to people about uh, there's still people in jail. And then, like you saw, the, the winners came out in Illinois this week and it was a lot of well-connected people that are going to be millionaires and, you know. There's still people in jail, but I think like stories like your father, your family, not just your father, uh, really helped spur the uh, McClintock Robacher Farr Amendment. McClintock's in there now, but the defunding of the medical marijuana uh, for the DEA. And I really hope that Congress expands that. And so then they could defund all marijuana. And I also say, yeah. hemp. Yeah, but yeah. like, but they also should they have to put in hemp now, too, because then the DEA came out with some wicked IFR that's like, all right, well, I guess. Everybody who's in the hemp industry is now in marijuana as soon as they pick it and throw it in the extractor, you know, and then they make some goo out of it and that stuff's hot. And so, it, but it's how else are you supposed to do it? And uh, it's a very strange memo that they wrote and hopefully it doesn't come to anything, but it sucks. You know, it's just this prejudice that they had. And then like 2012, that wasn't that long ago, you know? No, no. And the thing about it is, is that, you know, a lot of our prisoners, like, so Lance Glore, he was also raided in 2011 here in Washington. While the raids were taking place in Montana, there's also that year raids taking place in Washington and raids taking place in California. Lance Glore was one of them. And he actually sat on home monitoring for years and years until he was even went to a trial. And when he went to a trial, which is really important to talk about. So far we've talked about Chris that went to a trial um, and now we're talking about Lance that went to a trial. So we'll just talk about trials for a second because Lance went to a trial, Chris went to a trial and there's a whole bunch of stuff. Like I said, evidence and snitches that said that, that, that convinced the jury that they're guilty. However, both of them would be free today had because they, they fought for their rights. Had the jury, one, known the whole story, known that they had the power to say not guilty. And if one juror would have said not guilty, Neither one of them would have went to prison. Hmm. I mean, now, Lance, the judge will address. Mean? Well, as we saw at Lance's trial, the judge will address the jury and tell them, "You need to focus on what's presented in front of you," and he'll never give that one. As a citizen, you're also allowed to say "not guilty" if you don't agree with this law. I mean, as a, you know, that's just you're right. Mm -hmm. yeah, but then it's the the whole jury nullification thing is. Um, uh, the point we have juries is because they're supposed to find facts. They aren't supposed to apply the law. So if they find the facts as they, they were you know, provided, then they're supposed to say, yes, I don't like it. I guess the other thing they can be is like, well, those facts are stupid and I don't believe them. Mm -hmm. There's no way. That they can use There's no way America I know would have control substance. Uh, schedule one substance be marijuana. That just makes no effing sense. Well, here, here's an ironic thing about Lance's trial, Chris. You'll remember this, uh, and I missed it because uh, I think I came in late. But there was a medical marijuana patient on the jury that yeah. had had a conniption or something like uh, a yeah. fit because she couldn't bring her medicine on federal grounds. Right. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, Not guilty. Just, Not guilty. You, you know, know that's how we can vote these bad laws out. Here's the thing, you guys: is that if Everybody got in trouble for weed tomorrow when we all said, let's go to trial. The, the courtrooms would not be able to handle all the cases. Everybody would go to trial and there'd be like, oh, it's all these cannabis cases. Not guilty, not guilty. We could throw out the federal laws if we all of a sudden got in trouble and went to trial for them all at once. Or if we all of a sudden knew about jury nullification, we knew we we're going to vote not guilty and everybody knew that. We could nullify bad laws that way. But we just have to have the power of educating each other. Yeah. 
so you know, Lance and because uh, 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 I keep. I got to give people a better impression of 2011. You know, this was the Obama administration where people are thought Obama was like the, the, the most weed friendly guy, but his administration was not friendly. And I think because what well, the, uh, the, the coal memo came out two years later. So it's like, Hey, we got to fuck all these innocent people for a while first, just so we can give this pass. I want to share with everybody though, how uh, weed won the West. It's a documentary that's free on YouTube to watch. And uh, it gives you this idea like, the thing is, the feds got scared. In Montana, I remember as a traveling technician, I'd be driving through I-90, and you see billboards telling, you know, promoting dispensaries and come pick it up or we deliver. And you're like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But all these conservative people clutched their pearls and were like, oh, shit, we can't have all these crazy – because nothing happened. You know, Montana is the most beautiful place to smoke a joint in. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, big sky is freaking amazing. But, you know, you don't want to do that with the fear of going to jail. Yeah, they used to, um, the, my dad's neighbors, like people would drive across the whole state just to drive down my dad's alley and take pictures of his backyard. Oh. My dad's, my dad's alley was so popular and people How would call. How many plants was he growing? Not that many, about 32 in his backyard. 32 effing plants. Yeah, it, but it was a lot for Montana. It was a lot for the, the, the community. You know, they, they never seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. I'm glad that it's like, oh, I'm sorry. We thought it was <laughs> It's still what it was flying for cannabis policy in 2011, like nine years ago. And it was just met with, I mean, because Lance Glore is still in prison. How many people are still in prison for pot? Well, right now, we don't know exactly. We don't know. But we, because they don't say, oh, these are the people for pot versus the people for methamphetamines. They don't switch. They don't. It's just schedule one, schedule two, schedule three. And then they don't even, they don't even tell you how many for each one of those. So we don't know. But we do, we supply at Freedom Grow, our Freedom Grow Forever. We supply over 50 cannabis prisoners that we know of. And if we know of more, we will help more. But those are the ones that we know of right now. I'm sure there's millions more. But we give them all money. We just sent them all fifty dollars um, nice. a month. How many did you give money to? How many are in there? Over fifty that we have on our list, and we sent them right. each fifty dollars. But we we could have more if we find out of more. So if anybody has any family members or anything like that, you guys can reach out to us, and we will help, help your family members. It's fantastic. Point out too, like you know, with with activism and, and especially cannabis activism, people are always sketched about like you know donating their money or whatever. And you know, some of these like we have the Last Prisoner Project out there, which is great. I'm glad more uh, visibility on prisoners, the better. You know, uh, treat them like human beings and, and underline this. But I've seen Kristen raise a thousand dollars at times when she when she needed money herself, and we're like, hey, you should just take some of that for gas money alone. She's like, no, no, it's all. <laughs> Money we raise this stuff. When we do <laughs> raffles, we we walk around uh, like the events. When there were like people in the same place at one time, four times, simple four times, uh, <laughs> and we'd ask booth people, "Hey, can we get a donation from you?" And then we we have a cool raffle. We've raised so much money helping people like that. Yep, yep. We have to always think. The thing about it is, is that like when my dad died, and I didn't have anybody there, and I I walked into the Seattle Hemp Fest, and like, where's where are they talking about the prisoners at? What is that? Right. So we formed that voice, not just myself, but Miggy, all of us, everybody involved. And we're, there's a whole handful of us that's been doing this for eight years, plus years, that have been advocating for these guys. And, you know, it's we have to always be their voice because some of them are serving life. 
and some of them are not getting out forever unless we we advocate for them. But Miggy, isn't it like in a wonderful feeling when one of our prisoners get free? Yeah, I like to say she has helped a lot. I mean, the, the riot. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> so it works though. So we got sentences reduced, and you know, uh, you know, Craig's still at home release, but he's out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a few of them, but well, yeah, that's what. And then when when's the next one getting out? Do you guys know, like, you know, because if you have this list of the 50 people that you're throwing money on their commissary, that's awesome. I remember when we had we had Sparky Rose on. He's a consultant that used to run a dispensary. He got raided before we, we mentioned the last prisoner project. And that's like Steve D'Angelo. And he's actually going to come on the show here in about a month. So, oh, yeah, props to him. I just want to interrupt you real fast. The yeah. last prisoner project, they have been helping so many of our prisoners. We have been working with them like this, getting information about some of our prisoners to them. They're in the middle of Richard Delisi, who has been locked up for 33 years. And the last prisoner project is helping, helping us with their commissary a little bit. And they're helping them with their needs. And I just want to say they're doing some amazing things. They've gotten them attorneys. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Alicia has never been so happy in his life. They're That's helping true. me, you know, like he's just yeah. really happy. They are. They're they're amazing. They're That's so great. Amazing. Yeah, because like I remember Sparky Rose, he had to serve some time too because he got popped in like the mid two thousands. He said, "Oh yeah, that commissary, it's awesome, especially on Tamale Day. You do not want to." Eat that tamale. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and go back to Chris's past work. I really think people should, if you're going to look her up and her previous body. Uh, the, the podcast you used to do with Eugene Fisher. Eugene yeah. Fisher is one of the most interesting prisoners. I thought like he was a powerful voice. Uh, he, what was the story? He, 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 was he a, like, served, a lawyer. Eugene had, uh, Eugene used to ship and see, this is a thing people don't understand is yeah. Our lifers are serving life. Most of them because they, they brought a lot of cannabis in back when it was super illegal when the feds, which is you're getting life sentences for cannabis. And Eugene Fisher was one of those ones that was him and Randy Lanier and another one of their business partners. They were bringing it in on ships. Eugene owned the shipping company. So he, he in fact, you should, you, you should uh, Google Eugene Fisher and you'll, you'll find out the story about how he used to import it. And he got caught and he used to import it right underneath the nose of the federal government. And he got caught and he went to prison and they sentenced him to life. And he fought for 25 years to free himself. And on the, what finally happened is he caught them doing shady business he caught the feds they had been um running his co-defendants uh casino illegally they're supposed to auction off things that they confiscate oh, wow. from the trades and instead of auctioning it off the federal government the u.s marshals was running it and when oh eugene Fisher found out and had proof he showed it to the feds and he was instantly pretty much released within a week from prison and then he got out worked with the human solution, worked with me, worked with Mickey, worked with all of us. And we freed a couple of his friends on these special projects we had. And then he, um, he later, we did a radio show together and he later passed away. Rest in peace. He was free. It's too bad. Like when's the, when's the next one getting out? Do you uh, have any idea the next, I mean, if you have 50 people that you maintain contact with and throw money on their commissary. So I don't have our prisoner list right now, but there's a few of them right now that, um, that, are up right now that the last prisoner project are working on they could be released anytime that they're they're really close to getting um out because of the virus and we've had a few of them get out because of the virus just recently as well that's great 
I can't give you any specific names because, like I said, I don't have my list in front of me. But we have a list that has all of them. And I know Michael Thompson's one. Yeah, Michael Thompson. So Michael Thompson's been in there, I think, for about over 25 years now. Mm. And he actually does have the virus. For two, he's been in there for two pounds of weed. Yeah. And and three old guns. Three, eight, three Oh, it's always the guns. The guns just like kick the penalty way to the moon. Get get, get real. My my dad had guns too, and it's that doesn't make you that doesn't make you dangerous. Right. But doesn't it make you have something more leverage that the state can bring against you when they find again? So my I dad, am not my dad a criminal lawyer. I am a business lawyer. I am speculating. <laughs> You know, from Law and Order episodes or something, but I thought that that's one of the things they can do yeah. to enhance penalties. With, with there's my a dad had guns, and his mandatory minimum was 144 years because of his guns. What the fuck is that? You right. know, Chris Williams, because he had guns, his mandatory minimum was 96 years. And now, now this other that Michael Thompson that that uh, Maggie's talking about, he had three guns, and that that sent him over the third strike to a to a to a life yeah. sentence for two pounds and he just recently he's in michigan and he just in the last prisoner projects helping him as well but he was just um taking the hospital for COVID, and he's yeah. very old man he's i think 60s older 60s maybe younger 70s you know so lance lance barely on our, he's, on our list. he's on our prisoner list yeah was lance- that I was saying Lance dodged a gun charge. He happened to have a gun on the property. I don't remember that. And mm-hmm. uh, it was like in a basement, in a box. Uh, I think you know, it was so outside, wasn't it? Buried outside. Yeah. On, yeah. <laughs> Worst case to have a gun if you're going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> What's he going to do? Yeah, but that really stinks because then uh, they're trying to follow the state laws, which can be a little murky sometimes, to be honest. And then there is no banking, especially eight years ago or, or nine years ago in 2011 when they got popped. So there's cash on hand and there's product on hand. That was yeah. my mom's charge. That's what my mom had to plead out to is money laundering because she was, she. so here's the thing. My mom, so, so, so there's a whole bunch to Montana. So my mom is from Mile City. So my mom took the Mile City money and put it in the bank. Well, the real bookkeeper who paid all the employees who took all the massive money and put it in the bank, she was a snitch too. So she didn't go to jail. But my mom, my mom did because she didn't snitch. So, like, that's the thing. That's the thing about the banks. That's best they can offer my mom is a money laundering charge when this lady didn't get nothing because she told on my dad's business partner. He, she was like, willing to tell him. Mm-hmm. So why, why, why do we, why, it's like this justice thing, this thing that's called justice. We're going to punish these people for doing the same shit these other people did. But thanks for admitting you did it. You know, uh, yeah. One of the groups, Chris. That's how they hold down their laws. That's how they have to hold down the laws. Yeah, but like when you, they're they're nothing. Well, like the kiddo falls five. You know, one of them was a cancer patient, legit. Like only had hospice, gonna die, gonna die, cancer patient. Then his wife, she was just an older woman too. And then the kids, they dropped the charges on him, and I think her too, right? No, I think just him. Just him because he was gonna die. Like here's a. Yeah, he was dying. Here, thank you. You they, know, we're, they dropped we're my dad's charges. They dropped my dad's charges after he died. I got paperwork saying his. Oh, thank God! Oh, good. They actually sent me paperwork. I was like, "Where's my mom's paperwork? How come her charges haven't been dropped?" No, she's uh, not dead. No, yeah. exactly. <laughs> she was still alive. They actually was... sent paperwork to tell you the charges are dropped after you're gone. 
If that doesn't show that we're human cattle, I don't know what does. And know? they sent me his ashes. They had him. They had him um, cremated on his own and sent me his ashes. And his and his and his pink shirt. He we wore a pink shirt to sentencing because I had a pink car and he knew I loved pink, so he That's wore a pink shirt just for me. And guess what? They sent his pink shirt, his jacket. I have it right there in my closet. Oh. They sent it all back to me after he was gone. I wrapped the pink shirt around the box of ashes and put his Montana cannabis hat on it. When mom gave, came out, I gave it to her. For 32 plants of a harmless product <laughs> that grows from seed. and yeah. uh, But then he could have had all the vodka, all of it. Mm -hmm. yeah, it wouldn't have busted down the door. It wouldn't have done any of that shit. I can't believe that. But then it's still, I mean, like this is 2011 shit. I mean, it's 2020 now. And then we have legal weed, but we don't, we have corporate legal weed. Like, you know, uh, a lot I of know. people are still facing. And then, it's, and then it's still like possession limits and all, all sorts of things. And so like, you know, if I wasn't a medical patient, I would be risking a lot more because I do my, you know, I have, Two or three plants going you know it's it's enough for me for a few months but it's not so much that it's it's any risk but you know people were taking and they still are taking risks and growing like 30 50 100 plants for their side hustle operation mm -hmm. why can't they be legalized how come we can't you know make it more along the lines of a, a brewery but you know the regulations that went into illinois laws there was such i mean like we're going to find out in the litigation but then oh my gosh the way illinois did it one of the problems with the litigation is that you as the plaintiff have to pay for the entire record on appeal. Uh, and so like if you're trying to get all the applications or several applications, these applications are thousands of pages long and and the KPMG scored all of them for millions of dollars. That record might be like enormous. I don't know, <laughs> how much, but they might be charging you thousands of dollars for it. It might only be several hundred, but uh, it, it's just another way to kind of chill the basis for appeals. Be like, all right, well, if you want the record, we'll get it. I mean, because like the state of Illinois paid four point whatever million dollars to KPMG to get this thing scored. Mm -hmm. So is that how much the record on appeal costs? Four million dollars? <laughs> it's just making criminals out of Americans. You know, even besides the, the loss of life, the loss of time that people who are growers you also have the people surrounding them, their family like Kristen and uh, uh, even Chris's uh, workers that were just, just the workers. They got PTSD. We know one. We got our friend Danielle, and, you know, she's still fighting uh, uh, the good fight in Montana. But, you know, she says, you know, she sometimes, you know, guns are pulled, you know. Yeah, I work for my dad's company. Danielle, the, the girl that Mickey's referring to, Danny Girls, what my, um, my mom and dad nicknamed her. She was friends with my family when um, my dad – hooked her up with a job there and she ended up working on the other side of Montana with Chris Williams at the uh, grow house out there. And um, yeah, she went through it too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's so many, where's the goodness at a prohibition? Anybody? Can, <laughs> anybody just fucking point me to the right thing? Not only that, like, and what did you guys make illegal? A plant. Well, what does this plant do? That bothers me is Nothing. that no, it never hurt anybody. Like no, right. my dad That's never right. hurt anyone. Yeah. He helped people. My dad yeah. cured cancer. Yeah, uh, it can. It can help treat it in several different respects. And then, like, 
and it's going to be the most beneficial in a regulated environment so you can control what you put in it because like you know it'd be one thing if they just put a whole bunch of chemicals into the weed and pgrs and stuff that are actually carcinogens i mean so the the lab testing and purity that that uh, regulated markets brings is a good thing um but they made a plant illegal what the fuck was wrong with our grandparents but again can we point to the goodness where's where's the uh greater good out of this whole situation and you know no matter how much is arrested no matter how many pounds like at a bus what i think there's a recent bus of uh a couple thousand pounds uh on you know one of the interstates you know who was saved again why we're going to send them to federal prison and create these types of prisoner dilemma situations where we force people to snitch on one another because we come down with hundreds, if not you know, you know decades, hundreds and fifties of years of penalties. Why? As opposed to being like, oh, you were caught with 300 pounds of weed. Let's see your tax stamps. Yeah. You didn't pay your taxes on this weed. Well, your penalty is $50,000. Moving on. You know? Why isn't it like that? Not loss of life. Not loss of time. Not taking all their shit. Like, all their shit, you know? I mean, we're still going through it here in Washington. Right, Kristen? Say that about Washington? We're still going through with prohibition in the sense that uh, Sarah Frank, our friend that was on the before, uh, she's Uh, helping with a a medical kidnap case out here. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I'm going to highlight it later in a video, but uh, I just, the fact that we're not free. We're we're not free. Where's legal? What's legal? Right. A plant. And what does this plant do? Well, you know, it actually can kind of reduce inflammation, depending on if you smoke one form of it, it can make you more anxious, but chill out. Another form might make you chill out. And, uh, you know, there's different receptors, which we only found out about in the 90s. Do we change our laws? No. Do we ever? No. You know, because they like they like kicking down doors and showing because when you grow weed uh, or have it, you like showing it off. Yeah. And so I think the cops like showing off the weed just as much as anybody else. But they like drugs <laughs> and the big stacks of it. I know. They're always standing in front of it with their guns like, oh, look what I got. Yeah. Oh, we're so yeah. Like, like, we shot a lion, you know. Yeah. I stopped these gummies from getting through. I mean, oh what my the- God. <laughs> but did they do that to your family? Like, did the DEA have like a photo shoot spread? It's like, here's the 32 plants of the murderous marijuana. No, but you know what they did? My dad, he used to throw all the change behind the couch for my kids. And they took all my dad. My dad's biggest complaint is they took all my grandkids' change that I threw behind the couch. <laughs> Besides the, the property they took that was your grandparents. I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah, he thought they took my grandkids' change. That's what Aww. he used to my grandkids' change. But but again, when they fucking as soon as they put handcuffs on your father, they didn't arrest a criminal. They arrested a grandfather, a father, an American, somebody that's just trying that to do best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sad because in eight years, and my dad, he was not. He was literally my bestest friend, like. You know, when I go to somewhere and I come home and I call my dad and tell my dad all about it. Like, and so since he's been gone, like I've had all these things in my life. Like I went on stage and talked about him. And the first thing I want to do is call him up and tell him, but I couldn't. 
So like, that's when it hits me the most. And when I want to call him and tell him about what I'm doing and I can't, because he has no idea that I'm a cannabis activist now, or that, you know, I fight for his honor. And it's hard because I can't tell him. Yeah, no, <laughs> and then like, now, like, so now, so, you know, I've been like, um, all this time, you know, my son, he, he had schizophrenia after this and I fight for the prisoners and I try to find peace in my head with what the government's done to my family, specifically me, because like I've been caught in the middle of it all lately. So I've been trying to find the peace and I started my own business because like I started gaining weight after my dad died because all, just all the stress of life. And then I said one day I was like, oh gosh, I got to start losing this weight. So I like found new for couple new forms of exercise and one of them I started a whole business off of it like I want to call my dad and tell him about it like dad I teach people to hang upside down can you believe it like, I just want to tell him <laughs> and I just can't let, let me ask you about that real quick because I know before oh you're good honey <laughs> because uh, you know you you've always wanted to do the um the cannabis and wellness videos before you're, you're into like water aerobics. Are you doing the mm -hmm. cannabis with your, uh, uh, what, what is it? Yoga teas, yoga trapeze. It, it's a, it's a, it's a yoga trapeze. It's basically like, instead of yoga on a mat, it's in a swing. So you do aero yoga, huh? acro, you do acro yoga then. Or it's, it's yoga trapeze. Oh, are you talking about like aerial yoga? Yeah. It's similar to aerial yoga, but aerial yoga is a lot of dance, which, I am trying that. I learned how to do a flip. Cool. <laughs> I was working on my handstands today. Yes. <laughs> so I've I've like found peace in in my life, and I'm like trying to show other people how to find peace in theirs. Totally. And how do you yeah. use cannabis with that? Are you, is that part of your routine or? How what? Using cannabis is that part of your routine with it? Because I know. You and no, I are big guys smokers. No, but. I haven't like reached out to the cannabis community with with this yet because the, to me the cannabis community is so scarce unless you're like at the hemp fest. <laughs> mm. So it's you know I'm just working the just a regular community gym. Oh right awesome. Yeah. But personally, do you find like smoking helps you get a better workout? Uh, I yes, yes, yes. I I also like to go to the pool and do water aerobics and yeah, cannabis has totally helped me get out of the house <laughs> yep, yep. you're gonna need to make sure you use the vape pen in that sense because you know trying to smoke a joint in a pool sounds <laughs> cooler than it is you know no, i like to smoke before i go into this into the pool yeah yeah when i used to wait lift that, that was my, my go-to but why did you quit you're not supposed to quit weightlifting you're supposed oh. to always do that the whole yeah. work would work out man <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you gotta you gotta make sure that you take care of your health and i like how cannabis can be a part of that i like to use it a lot and then you know it's hiking or when i would go swim or before a yoga session Yay. yeah do you like yoga too yeah yeah i have a little bit of a problem with it <laughs> but you know cannabis is wellness when it comes to exercise but it's also good for because i know dennis perron like myself I, I used it to help maintain my drinking like uh you know, it, it keeps your levels down, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what's the next uh, for you guys coming up for uh, activism? Do you have any uh, – are you going to be part of the uh, Hempfest uh, live stream or anything? 
I don't know yet. I haven't really talked to them. I um, reached out to them. Actually, I did talk to them, but I haven't scheduled anything. Um, I know that they're having something in October, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the I Hemp Fest? Huh? Is that the Hemp Fest people? Yeah. Yeah. October exactly. 10th. All yeah, right. I'm not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're probably gonna try to try to get involved. I sent them a message not too long ago. I heard back, and they told me that they're they're in the midst of planning it. So I'm just waiting to hear what they're what they got going on. Yeah, it was so ridiculous the double standards and the weird rules that Hempfest has to follow to be able to be a protest festival, a First Amendment right protest festival. That's why it has to be free. That's why they can't charge for it. That's why they have to do all. And then it's it's a city. It's like a seven hundred thousand dollar operation that they have to put on for free. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the best freaking day I think I week. <laughs> I know. I love. I love them. But as soon as my dad died, they were just like right there. The whole yeah. hit fest. They helped me get through life one hundred percent. Every year I go there, like I feel like I'm missing it. All the love there this year. Well, we could definitely tune in on October 10th, you said? Yeah. And if you guys haven't checked out yet, you know, go ahead, smash those likes and subscribes and thumbs ups. And then you'll see one of the videos in our channel uh, where we have Vivian McPeak and the Hemp Fest update. For sure. And Kristen, thank you. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your story with us today. Where can we go to find or follow what you guys got going on at Freedom Grow Forever? Uh, we're, we have a website. We just launched it. It's freedomgrowforever.org. Um, you can also we have a Facebook page. It's Freedom Forever. We have, we're on Instagram. And then you guys can always find my Facebook, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-F-L-O-R, and you'll see a bunch of stuff there, too. Got it. Awesome. We'll throw those links in the description. Thanks again for coming on, and thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Wednesday. Yay!